Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Him. Well, what an exciting time of worship we've had already today. And I'm gonna be honest, this is probably one of the most exciting weeks we've had in probably nine or 10 weeks. Uh, If you are a partner at Journey or if you get our emails, you heard that we are getting ready to uh, phase in reopening church. And so in June, tentative plan in June, we're gonna do some outside services. And in July, we're gonna come in here, we're gonna worship together. I'm telling you, it's gonna be an exciting time. You were probably also at this point, a part of our live Q&A that we had Thursday night. If you had other questions, maybe that didn't get answered, you can obviously send them to uh, send them to us in an email. But we're in a series called From the Mount, and I'm excited today um, because I get to speak, and I actually made a, a misquote last week. Last week, I said that this was the last week. We actually have one more. We're gonna kind of piggyback these two messages together because Jesus is gonna talk about three different things that we're supposed to do discreetly today. Um, and it's interesting because there's a tension uh, because if you were with us in week one, I read a scripture from Matthew chapter five, and Matthew chapter five says it like this, and I'll, I'll explain this tension. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is heaven. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to let our light shine. We did a whole series back in the fall called Lights that we talked about letting our light shine and what it meant. Now in today's passage in Matthew chapter six, verse two, that's where we start today. Jesus seems to be saying something different. Remember last week we talked about misquoting and misunderstanding. We're gonna break this all down. But it says, thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have what they received, or they've received the reward. Now, stop right there for a second, because uh, let's, let's go back to that passage, because this is really, really, really important. Because remember who he's talking to. And one of the things we talked about in week one is that unless our righteousness surpasses, or unless we're better than the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, that we can't do the things. We're not uh, getting the blessings that God wants us to have. And we talked about this. And if you haven't gotten this yet, the whole series is really about the difference between religion and spirituality or religion and relationship. And religion is spelt really do. I'm gonna do something, D-O. I'm gonna do these. I'm gonna make these things happen. Where relationship is spelt D-O-N-E. It's done. Jesus Christ did it on the cross. And so the very audience that he's talking about is the audience that he's addressing right now. So could you imagine how they're starting to squirm a little bit as Jesus is talking about this? So then he says in verse three, But when you give to the needy, right? So when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, verse four, so that your giving may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you, verse five. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, okay? There again, he's addressing that same crowd. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. I'm gonna really break that down in a minute. It's really, really important. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. And then if you drop down a little bit further, he says this, I think it's in verse 17. He says, he says, but where? He said, but when you fast, he says, anoint your head, wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he says, there's these three things. We're gonna pray in secret, right? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do things. We're gonna give to the needy in secret. And we're gonna do this thing called fasting in secret. And it's interesting because there's the tension of how do we do that when God tells us earlier in these passages and all throughout the Bible to let our light shine. 
So, so the big question, the big question is, how do we do that? How do we not kind of go against what Matthew chapter 5, 16 is saying? Now, I want you to understand this. I'm gonna, I wanna, like we broke down certain things last week. I wanna break it down this way. Jesus is talking about two completely different things here. In Matthew 5, Jesus is referring to the works of service that benefit others, that lift up the name. We talk about making Jesus' name famous. So the, the first group of things are the things we, we do to make sure that Jesus' name is out there. The Bible says when we lift Jesus' name up, he draws all men to him. The second part in Matthew chapter six, he's talking about a spiritual devotion, things that we don't do publicly, things that tend to glorify when we do them ourselves, tend to glorify ourselves. So today we're gonna talk about that concept of how we can do that with giving, kind of the do's and don'ts. And next week we're gonna break down the prayer part and we're gonna look at the Lord's prayer when Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. I want you to get this. Here's the very first thing. And one of the reasons we're doing this today is one of our statements, one of our big values here is when we say we practice and the thing that we practice is generosity. So all day today, we're gonna talk about generosity and what it means. And I want you to know up front, we're gonna talk a little bit about money, but it's not just about money. But here's the first thing I want us all to get. Giving, however it is, whatever it looks like is to be done discreetly. Now, I want you to know this. I didn't say secretly. I didn't say that you can't be seen. I'm just saying it's discreetly. There's some things that you do. There's some ways that we give that you'll never be able to let, like nobody, like somebody will eventually know that something happened. And here's the thing. The key is who gets the attention? Who gets the attention when we do that thing? There's a word that they used uh, in the Hebrew, zedekah. And zedekah literally means almsgiving and it also means righteousness. So to be generous was to be righteous and to be righteous was to be generous. They were synonymous. They, they were one and the same. But what started to happen, it was a habit that these religious leaders, these scribes and these Pharisees, they would stand up in front of everybody. They would pound their chest. They would maybe get up on a, one of the rock walls or a well or maybe a ruin from a building. And they would tell everybody, literally at times, they would say, this person needs water and I'm the one that's giving it to them. That's what Jesus is saying. He doesn't want us to be like that. 2,000 years later, there's the same tension in the world that we live in. Do you ever notice how some people have to get the attention? I gave you this thing and, and look at what I did. Or maybe when the rich and wealthy give something, it's publicized all over Facebook. It, it's these things that, that Jesus is talking about that he doesn't want us to, to, to kind of draw attention to ourselves. So it's about who gets the attention. Jesus wants us to do the right thing. Listen to this, the right thing with the right attitude. Because we can do the right thing with the wrong attitude, but he wants, he wants us to have the right motive when we're doing these things. Not to, not to impress others, not to you know, get the accolades, but to, to, to impress God that God gets off the throne and says, that's what I'm talking about. That's how I want the church. That's my church people to be. Uh, there's a British paper. It's called The Guardian. And they published this article. And this is the title of the article. Sex doesn't sell anymore. And it says, activism does. Now, that's a great kind of philosophy. The problem is even in that, I see, I see it's noble to get, but you see these large, so we're in the middle of this, this virus. And it's amazing to me. I was watching the golf channel on Sunday night and I was watching this event that they had with four golfers. But every commercial was about how this group of people are this insurance company. And I saw one where it said that, uh, we'll just call it insurance company A, said that we were gonna knock 15% of off all of everybody's bills. The next commercial was another insurance company, like they were trying to outdo it saying, we're gonna knock 20% off. And I'm thinking, okay, that's great, but you're not doing it. You're not doing it to really help you. You're doing it to get the accolades or get the advertisements. It's interesting because I think honestly that happens a lot of times in a lot of churches. And Jesus is telling us that the purpose of giving 
is not to build up ourselves. It's to build up others. It, it comes down to this, really. Who do you want in charge of your books? Who do you want doing the ledger for you? Do you want to get the accolades where people in the world that you're living in, people that see you, that they're checking boxes off and going, wow, Bobby, you're a really great guy. Bobby, you gave this kind of money. Or, or would you rather God be doing the books? That God would be the one going, yeah, I saw that. That was really cool. That was really cool that you did that and nobody knew about it. Or that was really cool that you did that and the people that you did it for didn't know about it. Man, that's what God's talking about. It's a question of who you want keeping your books. Matthew chapter 6, 2, let's read it again with that kind of framework about we're not gonna do it where people can say, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet, like look what he just gave. He's saying, don't do that as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that they have what? They've received their reward. So when people around us are kind of checking those boxes off and they notice it and they go, wow. And I'm gonna tell you, it's nice to be acknowledged. It's nice to be like, we couldn't have done that project without you, Bobby. That's a really cool thing. And I shared a story last week about how I sold a boat and I, and I was able to give the money from the boat to the, the building. I, I love that. It was great. It made me feel good. And it kind of made me feel good when the pastor of the church noticed it. And he patted me on the back and said, thanks, Bob. Thank, thank, thank you for your sacrifice. But really, we got to think about the other part of it. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it says, so that your giving may be done in secret. And your father in heaven who sees in secret, who sees that good work, that sees that thing, that sees that contribution, that sees that check, that sees that serving, that sees that generosity, that he'll reward us. That's the ultimate, ultimate thing. And, and, and it makes me wonder sometimes, and maybe you've noticed this, and, and, and maybe you can kind of check yourself. Maybe this is kind of a, a Facebook check or a social media check. I always feel like people that do the most selfies and the most attention on their there's something going on down inside of them. There's a need to be known. There's a need to be needed. Needing attention may be a sign of something that's really unhealthy in you. I was reading about a lady by the name of Colette Nelson. She's a, a female bodybuilder. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Um, they're, they got huge arms. Like they're way bigger than my arms and they're muscular and they have, you know, six packs where some of us have kegs and like all these things, right? And they're big legs and they, they have that, that, all the jelly stuff that they put on them. And then, then they spray it with that, that ridiculously orange colored spray tan stuff. And you know, it's fake and they get all, but, but then they eat all these weird meals and they just protein and all that. Well, this lady, uh, Colette Nelson's a, a female champion bodybuilder. She's won all kinds of competitions. And she said, listen, it's not what you think it is. It's not exactly what it seems, you know, it, it appears to be. This is what she says. She said, you're the most unhealthy the day of the show. You're dehydrated. You've eaten limited food. You've been overtrained. And that the day of the show, I've got to tell you, you look like perfection, but inside you're just barely hanging on. And she says this, and I want us to get this today. We are most unhealthy at the times when we're trying the hardest to impress people. Wow. Maybe that's what Jesus is talking about. That when we need the accolades, when we need the pat on the back, we're, we're the most unhealthy when we're trying to impress people. And it comes down to like, like literally, like who do you wanna have the spotlight? And, and some of you are going, Bobby, but you don't understand. I don't even have anything to give. Listen, I don't care how much you have to give or you know, small amounts, big amounts, time, whatever it is. Everybody in this room has something. Everybody that's watching us has something to give. 
Now, I was reading a story about churches in other countries, and we uh, spend time over the last several weeks, I've been praying for other ministries in other countries. And there's this little, small Northeastern, it's in Northeast India, these churches, they have a beautiful expression that they say, and I'm probably gonna you know, kind of mess this all up, but it's uh, Bufai Tham, and it really means this, get the, get the gist of it. It means a handful of rice at a time, a handful of rice at a time. And it's interesting because what they feel like every time they have a meal, and these little small places, these little small communities, every time they have a meal, they take a portion of that and they put it over in the corner where nobody can see it. And when they have enough, they give that to the church so the church can take care of people. Back in 1914, when, when this was recorded and, and started kind of doing this, they raised enough money in US money, $1.50. That's how much they raised, $1.50. Now, 2019, 2020, they're raising $1.5 million worth of stuff to take care of people. And they have 1,800 missionaries that they're, that they're working with. One church said this, one church leader, there are many ways of serving the Lord. All right, think about this. There's many ways to serve the Lord. Some people do great things. Some people are great preachers. Some people contribute lots of, and lots of money. But when we're talking about a handful of rice, it's very humble. The service is done in a corner of a kitchen where nobody sees, but God knows and he blesses it. Another church leader said it like this, it's not our richness or our poverty that makes us serve the Lord. Think about that in our first world country. Is it the same God when we have little as when we have a lot? It's not our richness or our poverty that make us serve the Lord, but our willingness. It says this, as long as we have something to eat every day, we have something to give, give God every day. Think about that for a second. Today's challenge, I'm going there, is to give God something, set apart something in the corner. This is, this is just for God. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give this little area over here for God and watch what God does with that. So that's the first thing. Here's the second truth I want us to lean into today. Selfishness. Think about this for a second. Think about kids. You never have to teach kids to say something's mine. You never have to teach kids to kind of pull everything together. But selfishness is the enemy to generosity. It's hard to be generous and, 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 and be selfish at the same time. Selfishness is the culprit behind so many struggles. It fuels our desire for things and our pursuit of pleasure in everything we do in life. And I'm gonna tell you something, selfishness isn't exclusively American. It's not exclusively even human. So I had these two dogs when I was, uh, first got married back in uh, 1991. And a friend of mine gave me these two dogs. They were two beagles. The names of the dogs were Flash and Pokey. And I, I used to love this. They lived in the back of the house. We, um, you know, out in a little pen. And I would go out there and I fed them with their own individual dishes. So I would bring the food out and I would give Flash his bowl and I would give Pokey his bowl. And Pokey was kind of the shy one. So Pokey would sit behind the house and he would wait for Flash to get over to buy his bowl and he would come out and start to eat. And as soon as Pokey would get to the bowl, Flash would go crazy. Flash would start barking and yipping and literally attack him. And I found something to be really crazy while he was doing all that kind of stuff and all that commotion and trying to push Pokey away from all that, I could literally go in and get Flash's bowl and I could take Flash's bowl out. It made me think about how we are. It wasn't so much that he was worried about his getting him stuff. He didn't want, he didn't want Pokey to get what was right, rightfully his. This is what I've learned. Walking this planet 54 years. Many people in the world have that same mentality. It's not enough just to succeed. It's important why I'm uh, succeeding that other people are failing. That's selfishness. 
Selfishness is the root of all sin. Everything that happens is a choice, our way over God's way. He, he, literally what selfishness is, is saying, my stuff, my way is more important than God's way. This goes back to the very beginning of time, doesn't it? Genesis chapter three, you remember reading it? If you haven't read it, pick it up, pick the Bible up, read it, go through it. The most perfect place, Adam and Eve are sitting there. God says they can have everything, everything in that garden except for that one tree. And somewhere along the line, the serpent, the devil, disguised as something good comes to them and sells them a bill of goods and says, listen, you can have that tree. God doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to see like him. He doesn't want you to act like him. That's why he doesn't want you to. And you know what they say? It's not like I'm just gonna disobey God. What I want, that tree is more important than what God wants. The delight of their eyes, the desire of their heart was to, to, to have what they thought they deserved. And they chose, listen to me, they chose to be disobedient and humanity paid the price for it. And that's why Jesus had to go to the cross. Jesus had to show the world that it wasn't his will. He even said it one time. He said, Father, not my will, not my selfishness, but your will, your will, whatever you want me to do. John, 1 John 2 says it like this. I love, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. The things that we're chasing after, the selfishness, it all goes back to that. And it comes, to, it comes down to this, this whole idea of selfishness. I don't care what God says. I don't care what God wants. I want what I want and I want it now. And that's selfishness. Let me give you another life lesson. This concept of selfishness that a lot of us battle is stealing. Well, Bobby, I didn't steal it. I didn't go to the store. Hold on a second. Selfishness, first of all, is like stealing from others. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I am mandated. We talk about love your neighbor as yourself. I'm mandated to invest my life. This church is mandated to invest what, what comes through this church, the funds, the tithes, the offerings, to invest it in the world that we live in. It's a debt we owe for Jesus going to the cross. This is what it says in Romans chapter 13, eight. It says, owe no one anything except for to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You fulfilled the purpose. Galatians chapter six says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. He says, if you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. When we're not being generous, when we're being selfish, we are stealing from others. Let me give you another one. In a couple of weeks, I'm gonna do a series called Unprecedented. And I'm gonna talk about this when we steal from God. I'm gonna talk about Ananias' fire. You may wanna read through that. It's a whole story about how they were stealing and lying to God. But I'm telling you, when we're not generous, when we're selfish, we're stealing, not just blessings, we're stealing from God. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. You were bought. Jesus had to pay the ultimate price for you. So now glorify God in your body. Do acts of service. Be generous. Not only that, we're stealing from ourselves. I've been reading through the book of Ecclesiastes. Maybe it's kind of the age I'm at. 
And maybe there's some parallels to what Solomon was going through. This COVID virus made me slow down and think about what's really important. So I've been reading Ecclesiastes and and Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter two is talking about all the things, all the work that he did, all the hours he put in, all 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 the big buildings that he built, all the money he had in his bank account. And he comes to a conclusion that it's all worthless. That he was literally stealing from himself by not being generous with all that stuff. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter two. Then I considered all that my hands had done and all the toil I expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing, nothing to be gained under the sun. Selfishness is the enemy to all the things that God wants us to be. It's It's the enemy of generosity. So what destroys that enemy? How can we destroy it? Let me tell you what destroys it. Compassion destroys selfishness. It's like we're playing a game of paper, rock, scissors right now, aren't we? Like what, what, what? what? Compassion destroys selfishness. You can't be compassionate and be selfish. You can't give out. By the very nature of the word compassion, what it means, the word literally means with feeling. It's defined as a deep awareness of sympathy, sympathy for another's suffering. It's also understanding what somebody's going through without judgment. In, in a series unprecedented, I'm gonna talk about in week one, the feeding of the 5,000. But right before Jesus feeds the 5,000, you know why he says he does it? He says he had great compassion on the people. Colossians chapter three, verse 12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Philippians chapter two, verse three says, do nothing from selfish or rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more you know, significant than. Let each of you look at not only your own interest, the things that you're doing, but also the interest of others. Compassion can best be described as living for others. I heard a great story, uh, came out of Naples, Italy. And we know that if you've been following the news, that's one of the areas that's been hit hardest with COVID and, and the coronavirus. And so they put the shelter in place real quick and um, you know people weren't able to do certain things. Well, there's these two street performers that are also activists in one of the main drags in Naples. And they would go out there and play every day and they would take funds and they would do all kinds of stuff for people and make sure they were taken care of. But when this hit Italy, and they realized that they couldn't do that because of social distancing. And they were trying to figure out ways that they could take care of people. And they were reminded of something that they heard from a, another person that lived years and years ago, a very, real famous doctor in this part of Naples. So what they started doing was something they did. They would lower baskets out of the, where they lived in, 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 up in the top of the, uh, you know, the, the top of the, 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 their place, their suite. And they would lower baskets down with food in it. And they put a note, and this is what the note said. Those who can put something in and those who can't help yourself. That basket would come down and some people would put bread in it. Some people would put pasta in it. Some people would put some type of meat. And people that were less fortunate, they would come by and they would take things out. Well, some major industries in that area started hearing about this. They started sending truckloads of things and pallet loads of things. It'd be cheese and pasta and bread and meat. All because of that, those who can put something in and those who can't, help yourself. You know, that's a biblical principle. 
we kind of think, wow, that's so, it's the golden rule, isn't it? It's the golden rule. A lot of you learned it when you were a little kid, maybe in a Sunday school lesson. If you never learned it, you probably still heard of it. Here's what I've learned. It's something you never outgrow. You never outgrow the meaning behind the golden rule. Now we've said it all different. Do unto others before they do unto you. No, that's not it. Do to others what you want them to do to you. It comes from Matthew chapter seven, verse 12. It says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Watch this. For this is the law and the prophets. This is everything that was taught. The golden rule. Let me give you a golden rule test. Maybe you can think through this for a second. It's something I've been doing a lot lately. If I, were, if I were in this person's shoes or this person's situation, maybe I was struggling financially. Maybe I just lost my job. If I could just put myself, remember we talked about compassion. It's understanding others without judgment. If I was able to put myself in that position, in that moment, what would I want them to do for me? How would I like them to respond to me? So the, the challenge today is this. Let's start doing this. Somehow, some way. Let, let's start living by the golden rule. Whatever you want, whatever you desire, let's do that to the, the whatever, what would you do if you were in there? What would you want people to do? I'm not just talking about money either. No, I'm talking about money. I'm talking about so much more. I know husbands and fathers and mothers and wives that are stingy with paying compliments to their kids or their husbands or their wives, that aren't generous with, with you've done a great job or that meal was phenomenal or thank you for providing for our family. That's generosity. That's, that breaks selfishness down. I know employees and employers. I know employers that have never one time told a single one of their people, their staff, they've done a great job. It's one of the things that I'm, try to do really, really well around this place. I would rather draw attention to another department or something that somebody else is doing than worry about getting anything in return again. I know, I know Christians, probably some watching this right now that are selfish with your time. You have things that God's put in your life. There's talents that God put, has put in your life for the use of other. You're not your own. We are God's workmanship, Ephesians says. We were created to do great works. We're a masterpiece. But you've been, gener- you've, been, you've, been, you've been extremely selfish with your time. And then I know people that are selfish with their money. <laughs> it, and I wanna tell you, some of those people are the most miserable people I've ever been around. And it's not surprising that the root word of miserable is miser. Think about that for a few minutes. Bobby, what do I do? I'll give you an easy one. Start where you can. Start right where you're at. You know, God tells us about tithes and offerings and he says, I'll open the storehouses of heaven and I'll bless you when you bless others. Start there. Maybe you say, Bobby, I can't. Like, it's just crazy. My wife tells me all the time when we talk about it, you know, when we get our tithe check or we, we do the, through push pay now, I look at it and go, wow, like, like, you know what I could have done with that money? I remember one time I said, you know, I could live in some of the nicest neighborhoods in Augusta 
And she said, no, because if we didn't give, we'd be living in a cardboard box. <laughs> start somewhere. Maybe start with 1%. Maybe you can't do 10, 1%. Start with three. Or maybe maybe you're doing 10. Maybe, maybe up it this month by one. See what God does with that. See how he pours out his blessings. How about your time? We're getting ready to get back in the swing of things. Church is gonna be totally different. For some, it's gonna be totally new. Maybe it's a great time to start. Maybe it's a great time to start serving somewhere and being generous with your time. Maybe it's in children's ministry. Maybe it's in student ministry on Wednesday nights. Maybe it's with our technical team. Maybe God's giving you talents to sing or play an instrument. Or maybe you're super talented with like computer stuff. Don't be stingy with that time anymore. Maybe it's with your family. The one thing that I've loved, and I, we got in a bad habit in our house that we started because we don't have kids and so we wouldn't eat at the table every night. So we would eat in front of the TV and we were paying very little attention to anything but the TV and what we were eating. But during this whole last, you know, 10 weeks or so, it's changed. We sit on the back porch and eat dinner. It's so cool. We sit in our Florida, we got a Florida room. We sit in a Florida room. I don't know what I call it Florida. We sit in a Florida room and we eat dinner. We have conversation. We're generous with our time. We're not selfish with it. Jesus, Jesus taught us a whole different way to live. He said, don't be like them. Don't stand up and do it secretly. Don't be selfish, be generous. It's interesting when I was doing the research for this, I was searching all kinds of different channels and avenues, directions for the message. I actually came across a clothing line and I thought, boy, this name of this clothing line sums up everything, everything about how we are. This is the name of the clothing line. It's all about me. What if we kind of flipped the script on it and it was all about honoring Jesus, not me. And it was all about being generous to the world that we live in. It was all about making his name famous. Matthew chapter 16, 24. says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life in this thing called generosity, for my sake, for God's sake, in his name, you'll find it. Where are you at on this generous thing? I'm sure you're already thinking ways. This is, this is the way I can apply this. I need to apply it in this area of my life. Don't be stingy with that. Don't wait. Don't, don't, don't procrastinate. Do, do it today. Start right now, right where you're at. Start going, you know something? I'm gonna be generous with the things that I wanna be generous. I'm, I, I, want God to do, I want God to do certain things in my life and the only way it's gonna happen is when I'm, I'm generous. For me, I'll give you the, it started when I made Jesus number one in my life. And I was second. And maybe today for a lot of people that are watching this, you've never made Jesus number one. It's hard to understand this concept when you're still number one. So maybe it's a prayer today. Maybe it's the first time you've ever prayed that prayer. Maybe you prayed it years ago and you're saying, God, I I never lived this one out. And maybe you need to make Christ number one. You need to accept what he did on the cross. Here's the hard one. Admit, I've done some things wrong. And then understand that God's gonna do something in me. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, right now in this moment, in this moment, I'm reminded of why we should be generous, why we should be givers. Because the spirit of the living God is inside me and that spirit is a spirit of giving. It all goes back to that moment for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So people that were far from him could draw close. That's the epitome of generosity. That's what we're supposed to be like. So right now in this moment, I pray you would stir that up in us. God, I pray and I'm hoping that there's people all over the city, all over this country, all over our world right now making decisions to make you number one, not chasing after their own desires, their own selfishness, but chasing after you and then allow your Holy Spirit to do the work only the Holy Spirit can do by leading, guiding, directing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.